The Rich and Mike Show, Flagler County's hometown sports show. Here are your hosts, Rich Carroll and Mike Leishio. Yes, it's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Good Saturday morning, Flagler County. And a good Saturday morning to you, Mike Leishio. Rich, I don't know how I'm going to sleep. <laughs> You're going to be awake all night. Yes, the special post-game edition. Mike Leishio and I at one of the most exciting games in recent memory as the Matanzas Pirates pull out the victory late at Tacoy Creek. That was some game, Mike. It was a great game. It was. It got off to a quick start in the first quarter. A lot of drama, a lot of back-and-forth tension for the second and third quarter. And then, oh, boy, did the Pirates show up in a big way in the fourth. I love I, – I feel like um, just from the morning hearing you on the morning sports on Friday and – into the game and the interview with Cole Hash that we had at halftime. And you used some of that audio on the morning sports as well. And the conclusion you came to was, this is a defensive football team. And you kept emphasizing that point. And man, it really proved out that way because that defense, that defense went out there and they stood tall the entire game. They gave up some yardage in the first half. That went away in the second half. They were dominant. And uh, next thing you know, in dramatic fashion, the, the Pirates pull out a, a victory at the end. But you called it, man. You were you were saying it all night. This is the first time we see the Pirates all season, and you said this is a defensive football team. We're used to, you know, with Coach Forrest and the air raid offense, and, and we've seen some big-time offensive play from this team in the past. But you said it. You said this is a defensive football team, and play after play we saw being made by the defense. Seven turnovers tonight, Rich. I think that says it all right there. Four interceptions tonight, three fumble recoveries. It's hard to beat a defensive performance like that. Matanzas actually ended up winning the yardage battle. They were outgained in the first half, 225 to 45, and managed to outgain Tokoy in the second half, and they ended up the game with a 269 to 245 advantage. That's really incredible when you consider, yeah, Tokoy – over 200 yards in the first half, Matanzas around 50, and you wonder, man, oh, man, uh, what can they do to get into this game? Well, you can score two defensive touchdowns, right? They had that that beautiful pick six from Braden Russell, another acrobatic uh, interception that we see returned for a touchdown this year, this time uh, from from the Flagler football team. And, uh, and, yeah, the huge Jordan Mills fumble recovery at the end. And uh, we were talking about it before the show started here. Even uh, Seth Clark, it seemed early on, every time there was a fumbled snap, and there were quite a few from Tukoy, it seemed like, man, Seth Clark, he, every single time there's a ball on the ground, he's right around it, and he either falls on it or he's close to falling on it. So, man, they got a nose for the football, they like to say, and, and I think you're, you're seeing that uh, from the Matanzas Pirates here early in the season. And, yeah, it was a defensive game, as I mentioned. You get two scores from your defense, including the game-winning score, um, and and lost in all of this, even though he missed a, a, an extra point, is the tremendous performance from Landon Grover and hitting a school record 54-yard field goal in that first half to make the game 6-3 and kind of give you a little confidence if you're the Pirates early in that game because they were struggling offensively. But when you look up at the scoreboard, it's only 6-3, and that was, uh, I, I feel like, a, a big field goal for him to hit. Um, spectacular, and you knew right away. You said it. You said, that's a school record. Yeah, I had to go back and look it up. I think I said on the year 52 was the old record. I believe it was 49. But 
It was a school record, 54 yards. That part I know for sure. It was 14-9 at the half, and Matanzas didn't look great on the offensive side of the ball. They didn't look particularly great on the defense side of the ball. They gave up 225 yards in that half. That's a lot of yards. That you know that puts you on pace to give up 450 yards. And if you were playing at the pro or college level, 450 yards of offense in the game would be a bad performance. But the defense was on the field a lot. We saw tonight Daquan Evans. He's playing in his first – he played in the spring game, but he's playing in his first regular season game, one that counts in almost a year. And you could see the times that the timing wasn't there. Like on that last play, the last pass he threw actually, that was an incompletion on third and long. That's a play I talked to Matt Forrest after the game, and he agreed with me that if that play happens in week seven or week eight, it's probably a touchdown. Right. Because that's a timing thing. And so – and it took a, Mike, it took a lot of it took a lot of guts to call that play at that point because it's a third down play. You don't want to turn the ball over, but it just shows the confidence that Coach Morris has in Evans. He certainly does, and like I said, the numbers aren't pretty for Evans, but I think that is more of a product of Russ. He had been out with an injury for about six weeks, so he'd missed a lot of practice. So there's a lot of timing involved in that Matt Forrest offense, and it'll get there, you know. But tonight was just kind of one of those games where you have growing pains. But look, you have a game where your offense struggles most of the game. They got going in the fourth quarter. They got stalled in the red zone a couple times with some turnovers. But they found a way to come back. And they found a way to keep fighting. And the defense made plays. And the defense went and won the game. But you know what? I'm not discouraged by the offense. I think the offense had to muck it up a little bit. Shamarian Gaines didn't play tonight. So I'm sure that hurt the Pirates on both sides of the ball. You, you had Jordan Mills hurt, but you found a way to win the game, and I think that says a lot about where this Pirate team is headed. Oh, yeah, you look up and down the lineup. So many guys contributed. We talk about uh, Seth Clark. He had some great plays out there. You also had Braden Russell. We talked about it before the pick six return for the touchdown. Andre Andrews, it seemed like every other play, he was deflecting a pass, great defense on the outside. He was making plays. Um, as a defensive back, looking great out there as well. Um, I mean, Ivan Gaines, you called his number a couple of times. Just uh, just looking up and down, there were so many guys um, who contributed on the defensive side of the ball. Of course, Cole Hash, he was, he was felt uh, there on the defensive side of the ball as well. Jordan Mills, some big plays on defense. I'm probably leaving some guys out, but... You know, it was a team effort on that side of the ball. And when you watch the first half, uh, when... Takoy Creek, you know, they were cooking a little bit there, and you're thinking, look at this Ryan Kilmer, you know, 6'6", 205 pounds, looks the part, looks like uh, the quarterback out of Jacksonville there, right? You you, you made that comment as well. Yes. Um, so he looks the part, and he's got some great skill position players out there. Julio Santiago was catching, but he had over 10 catches in the game. Welch looked good. You know, they have weapons, and they were using those weapons. Vincent Galello was really – Every time they ran the ball to the outside, it seemed like he would get five to ten yards. Uh, so he was on a roll. And you were thinking to yourself in that first half, man, how are they going to stop these guys? They're so talented. And all of a sudden in the second half, Takoy Creek, they really couldn't do anything with the football to the point where they started to try to bring in the backup quarterback, um, uh, Wyatt Legow. What a disaster. And I don't want to call out some kid. You know, I'm not the type to call out. 
It's not his fault. It's, you it's, know? It's, the coaches kept putting him out there. And, you know, I, I have a lot of friends on that staff. You heard me talking to some before the game, during the game, after the game. You know, I was out there talking to some people that I, I have a lot of friends on that staff. But that one was a head scratcher to me. Yeah. I, and look, you do it once. He throws the pick. You say, OK, maybe you try it again. After the second time, to do it a third time with the game on the line in the fourth quarter, uh, you scratch your head, you, whatever you do, it's just it. there's no excuse for that. It's so crazy that she would make that mistake three times in the game, and he basically threw a pick every time. Meanwhile, you know, I know he was having a rough second half, but still, Ryan Kilmore, you, you look at him, he's your quarterback. He, he made some beautiful throws in that first half. He wasn't having a great game, but still, he probably gave you the best chance to win. And I always go back to this, Mike. To me, quarterback is a – we all know it. It's an extremely difficult position to play. And to put these kids in that position where, oh, I'm just going to bring this kid in on a third down and 10. You know, this kid's been sitting on the bench the whole game, but I'm going to bring him in in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. You know, you're not really doing that kid any favor. So uh, I just – I think it's a tough position – to put the kid in, it's not on him. It's on the coaching staff. But, man, to make that mistake three times, it's hard to, to fathom it, really. And that was Legal, the backup quarterback, who was 0 for 3, as you said, with three interceptions. Gilmer struggled. He wasn't great in the first half. He was 12 for 26, but he had 140 yards and two touchdowns. In the second half, he was 5 for 13 for 49 yards. So they really did a good job of putting the clamps on Kilmer as well. We saw a hell of a player in Julio Santiago for for Tokoy tonight. I mean, he had 10 catches, 128 yards, two touchdowns. He was their offense tonight. And it was strange with Tokoy because it seems like they're still trying to find their identity because they kept going to Legal. I know Kilmer struggled, but they went away from Vincent Galela. Now we say that, but he had 21 carries, which is a lot of carries, but it seems like they struggle. They want to be more of a passing team, and sometimes they pass to their detriment, as they did in this game. They basically passed this game away. Now, you got to make the plays because we saw Tokoy had some chances. They had three interceptions, but they also dropped a couple. So when the Pirates got the ball in their hands, they were able to hang on to it. So it's not just about bad pass plays by Tokoy. It's about the Pirates actually making pay with that and taking advantage of that, which Tokoy had a couple opportunities to do in this game, and they did not. Yeah, and the Pirates had opportunities. You know, you were wondering if they were going to run out of opportunities. You had Cole Hash on the 59-yard touchdown that was called back on a holding call. You know, from where we're sitting, it's hard to see where the holding took place, but, uh, you know, you have trust in the officials that they made the right call there. You, you know, to me, sometimes you want to see the officials let these kids play and let the play on the field decide what the outcome is going to be in the game. And, and But that play, you saw where the flag was thrown. It was right around where um, he kind of made the break toward the end zone. And, and as you said in the call, which was a great call, by the way, it's a shame that uh, it didn't stand. He tiptoed down the sideline and got in the end zone. But uh, So they call that one back. And then there was another questionable call. There were uh, quite a few in this game later in the game where you got a glimpse of what Daquan Evans is able to do, where he was able to get outside of the pocket and hit McGuire in the flat for what seemed to be a huge first down and 40 yards away from the play on the other side of the field, a flag came in to, to 
call to to take that that uh, play back and you know that was extremely frustrating because Mike I, I don't know about you but it seems odd that she would seek you know a holding penalty 40 yards away from the play it was bizarre and it, it, the play was going away it's not even just that it was on the other side of the field it's that the play from the beginning of the snap was going the other way it was going it was a play to the right from the beginning. It's not like we had a play where there was a hold. And so the quarterback was able to reverse field and go to the other side of the ball of the field. There was, this was a play that was a sprint to the right and it was a big play. And then, you know, but it kind of made up for it. Now the officiating now we're complaining about the officiating because of some of the calls they made late, that holding calls kind of suspect. There was a, 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 a forward progress call that was stopped for, Tokoy that I thought really hurt them because they ended up turning the ball over a couple. And ultimately that was one of the plays that decided the game was that inadvertent whistle because it changed the play calling sequence. Galela had at least eight, 10 yards on that play and they called him. They gave uh, him they one yard. Yeah. yeah. They gave him one yard. Crazy. And so this has nothing to do with the fact that the pirates are penalized 13 times for 115 yards and only five for 60 on Tokoy side because I think that was more on the Pirates than it, than anything. I don't think that was as much on the officials as Tokoy uh, or as officials as Matanzas was. I think that was probably a lot of things that Matt Forrest is probably going to want to clean up because a lot of those calls were not judgment calls. Those were calls like false starts, like offsides, things that you you can control and things that you can fix and things that the officials have to call. But they did seem to insert themselves a lot. And that's what you, you know, I've gotten in trouble for criticizing officials. In fact, I had a tweet to former uh, FPC Bulldog Billy Desius about um, the chapter I'm going to write in my book about a certain officials association. <laughs> and, um, but this was, this is what we talk about. They called the game differently the last five or six minutes of the game than they had the entire game. Right. Yeah, there was one play, Mike, where every official threw a flag. And a hat. <laughs> and a hat. I mean, everything was on the field, you know. They, they you know, and like I said, so, and look, uh, sometimes you you have to make that call. The holding is blatant, but you just hope that the, the officials can have the good sense to let the kids on the field decide the outcome of the game. And throwing a flag uh, 40 yards away from the play, you just have no business throwing that flag. So that, I, I think there's no excuse for something like that. And you should have a right to call out officials when they make a call like that. But um, they do have a tough job, so you have to acknowledge well, I, that as well. I, I was fully justified in when I got reprimanded by the FHSAA last year um, calling a playoff game for another school in another county. And... The thing they messed up is that the ball hit the pylon and they called it a kickoff out of bounds. And the reason the official said was because it hit the front of the pylon. Well, the FHSAA rules and the NFHS, National Federation of High Schools, that make the rules that govern most high school associations, their rule book says any ball that touches the pylon is treated as if it went out of the back of the end zone, which what happens when the ball goes out of the back of the end zone? It's a touchback not a penalty putting a team at a 35-yard line with four minutes left in a playoff game that's tied. So I'll take the slings and arrows because I stand by it. You know, again, for, I thought for 45 minutes of this game, this was a good officiating crew. And then we won't talk about the issues with the clock. You know, the clock operator, I don't think was a regular member of this crew, and it showed. But 
we won't talk about those issues because ultimately I don't think it mattered. I think the two plays that mattered in that game were the holding call on that Michael McGuire screen pass or flat pass and Vincent Galela getting whistled dead on what would have been a double digit run. So, and that's a great point, Mike, because both teams had calls like that against them at the end. So it kind of evens out, but you don't want to see it happen to begin with, but I think we learned a lot about this Matanzas team. And of course I've been on the Matanzas bandwagon. I told Matt Forrest, if you think I'm hyping your team, you should hear what I'm, what I'm saying about Henry Robinson's basketball team. And we'll talk <laughs> about that in the coming weeks because they are going to be really good. But I, I said it before I was convinced that Matanzas is going seven and three and you could talk me into nine and one. Wow. There were three games that kind of worried me this year. The, the, the three, I'll give you the three losses that I had in my mind. Tonight, next week at Deltona and St. Augustine. And Deltona, I'm not sure what Deltona is. This is the time of year. I usually think in, you know, over the last 15 years, I figured out that it takes about three or four weeks when enough teams have played each other to figure out who's good and who's not. And I don't think we're there yet with Deltona. So I don't know what to make of Deltona. But if they win that game, I think they I think they run the table with the exception of St. Augustine, because as I've said, and I've been very clear on this St. Augustine and mainland that's the state championship game this year in class 3s I'd love to see the Pirates make a deep playoff run I think they are a playoff team I think they're a seven win playoff team a seven win team at minimum at minimum but St. Augustine mainland has is the state championship in my mind in class 3s and there's nothing that you can do to change my mind at this point but seven and three eight and two rich nine and one I think if they win next week, they're going nine and one. And I we, do. If that's the case, this this will be one of the great seasons, if not the greatest season, in uh, pirate history. And trailing fourteen to nine heading into the fourth quarter last night, uh, then ten unanswered points lead to a dramatic victory. I'm sure uh, Coach Forrest must have been elated, right? Oh, I think he was relieved. I think he was proud. I think he he. I think sometimes as a coach, you want your team to play perfect, but then sometimes you have to understand it's hard to win a football game. And I think that's where Matt Farris was. When I talked to him, and you can hear it in just a second, when I talked to him, it's, he sounded like a coach who realizes that sometimes you're going to win, win ugly and sometimes it's going to be on your team to dig deep and win and, and find a way to win, and it's not going to be pretty, and you just have to accept it and be proud of the effort your team put in. Coach, team fought to the end. They were down most of the game, but found a way to win. I mean, well, we challenged them in the second half. You know, I, I told them, I said, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know, I I think I lost my cool in the first half with some of the mistakes we were making and, and things that were going on. And and I told them, I said, look, we just got to we just gotta band together and find a way. And, um, you know, when, when you do those things and you believe in everybody on the sideline, you know, magical things happen. And, and you know, the ball bounced a certain way, and you know our defense made you know defense scored two touchdowns, and and uh, I think I don't know my brain's yeah, a little foggy right now, correct. but um, no, I mean just definition of finding a way to win a football game, and and I, and I said this to the guys, I, you know, Decoy's a heck of a program. I got a lot of respect for them and what they've been able to do since they've been open, um, and that was that was a win that we had to battle, you know, we had to battle and earn, and. Um, just credit our guys for, for rallying and battling like that and finding a way to win. Now, uh, one question, Mike, as you were talking to the coach there, did you tell him defensive team? <laughs> I sure as heck did. In fact, 
I told Cole Hashtag and I told Jordan Mills that this is a defensive team, and I think the offense is going to get there. And by the way, that's seven and three. They're going to need the offense to get there, but I think they will. I have a lot of confidence in Daquan Evans as a player. I have a lot of confidence in Matt Forrest as a coach and his offensive staff, and so I think they're going to get there. But they do need to get there, and I think tonight the defense showed, hey, if we're not there, or if you if the offense isn't there tonight, we can pick you up. And I think they're going to be able to do that a couple times this year. But it'd be hard to do that for we, – what we saw it sometimes in the Ripley era, though, too, where the offense – it got to the point, and I think we could get there with this team. I think this team is good enough that we might get to the point where it's like the Ripley era. With, if we can get 14 to 17 points, we're going to win this game. And you saw it tonight. They got 20. The defense – the offense actually – the defense gave up a lot of yards, but they were on the field a lot of time. And I think Tokoy had – close to 75 plays, which is a lot of plays in a high school game. So when you realize that they're only giving up about three and a half yards, it sounds like a lot. They gave up, you know, 260 yards in the game. But then you realize they ran 70 plays. That's only like three and a half yards of play. That's pretty good. You know, so you can't judge a book by its cover. I thought the defense played great, but the offense is going to have to get better. And the key to... But Mike, like you said, there's no reason, and and I want to hear what your key is, but there's no reason to believe that they can't get better because it's not like they don't have talent on that side of the ball. We've seen what Daquan Evans can do in the past, and, and as we talk about all the time, he's coming off this injury. You see Daniel DeFalco out there. He, he's a very talented tight end, great skill tight end with awesome hands, runs great routes. You know, Cole Hash, to me, one of the best football players we've seen come through the county in years. Jordan Mills, I mean, there are a ton of, of talented skill position players on this team, there's no reason to believe that they can't get better. No, and I completely agree. And I think one of the keys is going to be Jordan Mills. Now, Jordan Mills played a lot more on defense tonight, but he was the key to the game. And we we could make a debate about who the player of the game was. And I think for about three quarters of the game, it was Seth Clark. He had two sacks. He had a fumble recovery. He was in on a bunch of plays. And then Jordan Mills took over the game. Oh, yeah. He he, really did. He did. And uh, I think you already know what the WNZF play of the game was, don't you? I have a feeling. All right, let's see what it was. Ball inside the Decoy Creek 20. Fumbles the snap. Who has it? And the Pirates have it. It's Jordan Mills toward the goal line. Touchdown, Matanzas. Jordan Mills, right place, right time. Another fumbled snap from Decoy Creek. And the Pirates, in dramatic fashion, take the lead. Jordan Mills, 15 yards to the house. And Matanzas would take a 15-14 lead and complete the two-point conversion. It was Cole Hash running it in for the two-point conversion. Later on, get a 35-yard field goal from Landon Grover, and the final score was 20-14. to That was some play, huh, Mike? That was some play. <laughs> I- Jordan Mills had that fumble recovery. He had some big hits in that in that drive before that, too. He had some big hits tonight as well. I think, you know, Cole Hash talked about it last week. He played his best defensive game as a Pirate last week. I think Jordan Mills, and he's had a hell of a career, I think Jordan Mills played his best defensive game as a Pirate tonight, and it was awesome to catch up with him after the game. Jordan, we talked about it last week. You just seem to find a way to dig deep. You get hurt early in the game, and you come out, and you just take over the game. How? Uh, I just knew I had to dig deep, come back, and uh, 
let my team know that I'm here for them and I'm not going to back down. They're not going to back down. I'm just going to match their energy and, and bring them up because once I went out, I noticed they scored. So I was like, I got to come back. I can't let my team down like that because I let them down last year when I went out. But I just knew I had to come back and help them get the win tonight. And the fumble recovery. Got the ball. I was, I was excited because the whole time I was yelling at the defense, I was like, we got to get the ball and we got to score. Defense got to get another defensive touchdown. Cole Hash said to me last week that this is a defensive team. They're going to win games. They're going to pick the offense up when the offense is down. You guys did that tonight. What's that say about the unit that you guys were out there a long time and none of you quit? Um, I just say it's, it speaks towards our, our family and our brotherhood. Coming in and putting the work every day in practice, we're not going to back down. And if the offense is having some struggles, uh, they, they need to know that we're going to be there for them and we're not going to back down. We're going to stand up until they can get it rolling. What's going through your head as you're running that interception back? Um, I, I seen the ball and I grabbed it and I was like, oh yeah, that's game. That's game. I'm going to try to get it in the touchdown. <laughs> that's the game. No doubt about it. And yeah, he was all over the field making defensive plays and as you mentioned big hits. He had one huge hit on Ryan Kilmer, the quarterback, on a blitz and shook him up pretty good. So, uh, yeah, Jordan Mills, uh, I would say he had the play of the game and he was also the player of the game. No question. I don't have a lot of defensive stats because I it's hard to keep stats to begin with, but especially defensive stats. But he had all the plays that counted. He had the fumble recovery. He had the interception. And... I, you really saw him take leadership of uh, on that defensive side. And he talked about it. He let his teammates down by getting hurt. I don't think his teammates felt let down last season when Jordan Mills went out because Jordan Mills had been playing hurt up to that point anyway. I don't think his teammates felt left, felt left down. But that's how Jordan Mills thinks. He thinks that he owes it to his teammates. His teammates are busting their butts out there every day and trying to be out on the field on Friday night, and he owes it to them to be out on the field. And they know when he's hurt that he's not on the off the field because he's because he's not wanting to be there. He, he's hurt. You're you know he's injured. There's a right. difference, I guess, between being hurt and injured. Last year he was injured, but that's just his mindset that you know if he's not out on that field and he's not giving his all like his brothers are, then he's not doing his job. And it's an amazing mindset. And just how did he dig deep tonight? I asked him that question. Obviously, I said how. Because I just, I couldn't fathom it. He, he, he looked pretty shaken up when he came out of the game early, and yet he found a way to take over the game in a way we've seen very few times in the years we've been doing this. Yeah, and you know, and it's easy. Well, not easy, but when you talk about a player taking over a game, you're talking, oh, the quarterback, uh, he had such a game, throwing the ball all over the field or making plays with his legs. You can identify where a quarterback will be able to take over a game and put a stamp on it or a great running back or even any of those skilled position players or, or even, you know, a, a defensive lineman that, you know, he's going to make an impact on the game by getting after the quarterback and getting a couple of sacks. Well, with Jordan Mills, he's going to have to be a little creative out there, right? Because he's doing so many different things. He's playing some offense. He's playing defensive back. You know, we saw him, Big, as we mentioned, big hit on the quarterback, interception, run a, a fumble recovery back for a touchdown, passes deflected. I mean, uh, all over the field. So in order for a player like him who does so many different things to dominate a game in the way that he did is so unique and so amazing to watch. It was just it really was a pleasure to watch that unfold. And I think that, um, you know, it's. It may be similar to, to how we saw Cole Hash last year 
dominate games in so many different ways. Whatever you needed to, him to do, he would get out there and do it. So uh, just a really impressive effort from Jordan Mills tonight. And that defense, don't forget, you mentioned over 200 yards for Tacoy Creek in the first half. They're also a team that scored 38 points last week. So And, and then to hold them to, to 50 or so yards in the second half and, and, and go on a, a 10-0 run in that, in that fourth quarter to win the game, that's uh, one of the more exciting games we've seen uh, in recent memory, Mike. Yes, and that's a, and they had, and they scored thirty-eight points, and they had over four hundred yards of offense in the process. So the Pirates holding them to two hundred and sixty yards just tells you how much better they were tonight against that offense. And we saw Kilmer has a lot of, a lot. Of, he looks the part. You know, he reminds me a lot of Preston Roberts from FPC. He's mm. kind of got that tall, blonde build you know, just can stand in the pocket, can make all the throws. And if he can put it together, he can be a dangerous quarterback. And we saw him struggle a little bit tonight, but it's also early in the year. He's still learning a new offense from Zach Harbison. And I think Tokoy is going to be fine. It's going to be very interesting to see when they come to FPC on October 27th. If we're doing that game, because that is our flex game, we may be at Matanzas Menendez. We'll see how the season plays out. But if we get to see Tokoy again, I expect to see a much improved Ryan Kilmer and a much improved Tokoy offense, which is scary because you saw how how flashy they were at times in this game. Oh, yeah. They have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. We might see them again. Congratulations to the Matanzas Pirates. You're 2-0 on the season with a big victory at Tokoy Creek 20-14. Next week, we're back home. South Campanella Stadium, the FPC Bulldogs, the Bishop Moore Hornets. Next Friday night at 7, we'll see you then. Have a great Labor Day weekend, Flagler County.